Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hey, everybody. Welcome in to episode number 120 of the Leaning into Leadership podcast. I hope you're having a fantastic week. Hope things are going absolutely spectacular for you as we make our way out of the month of January here in 2024. It's amazing how quickly the month of January has just sailed by. At least it has for me. I don't know about for you. But folks, I'm fired up for episode number 120 here on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. My guest on the show today is Lisa Perry. And I'm going to tell you about Lisa here in just a second. But here's the thing. This is the thing about this week's episode. Um, Man, as leaders, we focus so much. At least I did. I don't know about you. I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. I focus so much on not taking things personally. You know, I mean, you would have those moments where, you know, a parent might yell at you or a teacher might get angry at you or you might have a conflict with, with a student or, or, or a colleague and you tell yourself, don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. But our guest on the show today, Lisa Perry, is going to push back on that thinking. Lisa is going to talk to us about why we should take things personal. And no, it is not for the reasons that you're thinking. You're going to have to listen to the episode to catch all of this. Lisa really just knocks it out of the park. And honestly, she shifted my thinking on whether or not we take things personal. I think this is a fantastic episode and you definitely want to check it out. So let me tell you a little bit about Lisa before uh, we head off into the actual interview. Lisa is a veteran educator. She's been a writing teacher. She's been a school leader for quite some time, having led a national blue ribbon elementary school in 2021. Lisa has also served as a leader at the high school level, being named the 2022 South Dakota Region 1 High School Principal of the Year. Lisa does a lot of work around supporting educators through professional development and keynotes in the areas of custom communication, conflict mediation. Lisa really loves to help others create scripts for those difficult talks, whether that's at home or at work. Um, Lisa just does some amazing things in the K-12 space. She focuses on other topics like people-pleasing, mastering your mindset, meaningful messaging, and just simply likable leadership. Uh, Lisa and I sat down, we had this conversation here not too long ago, and I think you're really going to enjoy the conversation that Lisa and I have. There's a lot in it, and you're going to catch all of it right after this. Hello, middle-level educators. Are you looking for a nationwide type of conference at the fraction of the cost? The North Carolina Association for Middle-Level Education welcomes you to Charlotte, North Carolina, March 24th through the 26th for the 2024 NCMLE Inspire Conference. My name is David James, NCMLE Marketing and Conference Director, and I want to personally invite you to our annual conference. You will not want to miss our keynote and featured speakers that lead over 120 middle-specific teaching and learning sessions. Our featured speaker lineup includes EDU experts from across the country, such as principal and leadership expert Baruti Kafele, Charles Williams, LaQuanta Nelson, 
Zach Bowermaster, and the host of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, Dr. Darren Peppard. The NCMLE Inspire Conference is for everyone. Go to ncmle.org to register your team for the 2024 NCMLE Inspire Conference today. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. So over the course of my career, there were a number of times where I had a conversation with a parent or with a guardian. Um, and let's just say it got a little heated. Um, somebody rolled into my office once and before she even sat down, had used the F word three times. And it's difficult to not take those things personal. And for the longest time, I really believed, well, I shouldn't take it personal. It's just part of my role. But today on the show, Lisa Perry joins me, and we're going to talk about why actually you should take conversations like that personal, and not for the reason that you're thinking right now. We're going to get to that in just a second, but really quick, Lisa, welcome into Leaning Into Leadership. Well, thank you for having me, Darren. This is so much fun. I'm excited to talk with you about some interesting topics today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, that's the thing, you know, when we talk about leadership, it can go in so many different directions. So I'm curious to see where we actually go with this conversation. But I opened with um, not taking those conversations personal on purpose, because you you have a different take on it. You are very much no, 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 we should take those types of things personal. So before we get to that, Lisa, just really quick for my Yo, listeners who don't know who you are. I know, right? Yeah. We're like, hey, let's yep. go. Let's do this. Let's dive right in. So just really quick, share share with my listeners a little bit about who you are, a little bit about your background, and then let's let's get to why we should take it personal. Great. Well, I grew up in nursing homes, Darren. I'd like to tell people that. My dad was a nursing home administrator and my mom a charge nurse. So I spent my youth with uh, Edna and Ethel and Frank and George and Marvin and had a lot of honorary grandparents through the years. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot from my dad, who was an administrator. I learned a lot about um, dealing with vulnerable people and, and their families. And I did not know at the time I was preparing to be a teacher, that I was preparing to be a school leader, that I was preparing to be a leader at all. But I was, I was watching him, learning from him. And then of course, I've spent my life in K-12 schools. Um, I am in my 30th year of education. I teach writing and I lead a K-12 school of about 300 students and have just the best job possible. And uh, love to think about ways to handle challenging conversations and conflict. Those are, those are kind of the things that wake me up in the middle of the night and kind of get me thinking and, and uh, get me plotting and planning. Well, and, you know, I think uh, at the time that this episode will release, um, probably a lot of our school level leaders will be dealing with a lot of conflict and dealing with a lot of those difficult conversations. And I think they're going to come away with some incredible things here. So, so, okay, so let's go back again. A grandmother comes in my office and I'm telling you, it was the F word like crazy. And wow, you talk about coming in hot. She came in hot. And 
um, you know, my my response has always been, and what I've always shared with administrators is, nobody nobody gets to talk to you that way. And I, I mean, I've shared this with teachers, secretaries, everybody. Look, if you want to have a civil conversation, we'll have a civil conversation. Otherwise, let's try again another day. And that was that was how that one played out. She came actually. She came back later that day, apologized to me, and shared with me that you know what. This was about her grandson, and she was really fired up. And I just happened to be on the receiving end of all of that vitriol. So I chose not to take it personal, but your belief is that I should. So let's let's talk about that a little bit. I will. And, you know, I've got so much to say around that, that challenging conversation with a grandparent or a parent. Um, and and I, th- I think this way about those kinds of situations – of course it's personal. Of course it's personal. And, and I think we do a disservice to, to ourselves, to our profession, and to the other person to say that's not personal. It is personal. It's highly personal. And if you go into long-term healthcare administration, if you go into healthcare at all, or if you go into education, and if you thought it wasn't going to be personal, or if you think it's not personal, then you're not thinking right, or you did not think enough about it. It is terribly personal. I opened with the idea that I grew up in nursing homes around very vulnerable people. There's nobody more vulnerable than our grandparents and our children. And the people who love them expect them to be protected. And sometimes, often, the information that an angry parent, an angry grandparent, an angry customer, let's step outside of education for a second and involve some people who are, you know, who work in other industries. They're coming to us without the information we have. I tell myself all the time, if Lisa, if they knew what you know, they would think more like you think. But there's so much they can't know. There's so many things that they've been told or that they believe that lead them to this to this anger, to this confusion. And honestly, if it, it gets down to one thing, Darren, it's fear. When people act in unexpected ways, they're usually afraid of something. And my question is, when somebody comes in angry at me, instead of being critical or condemning, I I work from a viewpoint of curiosity. What is behind this vitriol? What is behind this tirade? And it, it usually is not about me. I'm a placeholder. Whoever you put behind that principal placard is going to get what I'm getting. But it's highly personal to the person on the other side of my desk. And while I'm talking about that, Get out from behind your desk. Do not do, uh, do not have a conversation with an upset person from behind your desk's position of authority. Move yourself around. Put yourself in the space with that person. Humble yourself a little bit. A lot of times people who come in and are angry had very, very negative school experiences. Terribly negative. And they have so much negative residue around teachers and especially principals. I have to come... I have to show up as a person, not as Principal Perry, but as Lisa, somebody who has had her own fears, somebody who raised her own children and didn't always act appropriately. And I think when we realize, yes, it's very personal, this is someone's child, then we can understand that it's personal, but that doesn't mean it's about us. Why why do we, we're so self-important. You know what I mean? Like, it's got to be about me. No, not about you. Yeah. Let it not be about you for once. It doesn't have to be about yeah. me, but that doesn't mean it isn't personal. That's a lot, yeah. but <laughs> no. It, but it's. I mean, obviously, that's uh, folks. If 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 you didn't pick up on this, and you probably can't see the video, but I can. Um, 
Lisa's a little passionate about this, just just a little <laughs> bit. And, but that's okay, right? Because because here's the reality: um, in any position of authority, I, I think you captured it really well. You know, when when we're in those positions of authority, the individuals who come in angry don't have the knowledge that we have. But I'm going to throw this in there too. We don't have the knowledge they have. Exactly. You know, we don't we don't know what's number one, what's happening at their house. We don't know number two, what it was they were told. You exactly. know, I mean, every now and again, children have been known to maybe not be a hundred percent accurate in how they relay a situation, right? Absolutely um, true. Adults too. Adults too. I mean, yep. you know, that that's a whole nother the whole other subject we can chase there, dealing with adults right. and, and adult behaviors. But um, I think I think you really hit that well, that they don't have the knowledge that we have, but at the same time, we don't have the knowledge they have. And, and the only way to get to that common place where we both have that is to have the conversation. And you got to set yourself aside. And I mean, I'll be honest with you, I, I think that was something that I did well I know people just want to be heard, you know, yep. almost. And in this particular person's case, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and stick with my story with this grandmother. Um, she just really needed to be heard. Um, you know, the, the thing she was upset about was a decision made long before I even started in my position. And honestly, she was told something inaccurate um, by somebody who just wanted to make her happy instead of telling her the truth. Yep. And, uh, she was angry and, and I didn't blame her, but right. it didn't mean I could give her what she wanted. And, and so, so I want to say this, and I'm curious where you're going to go with this. I have a feeling, I, I think I know where you're going to go with this, but to me, one of the most important things in those conversations is simply that people just want to be heard. And if we don't give them the opportunity to be heard, you know, whether or not the, the outcome changes, Usually, people just simply want to be heard. And most people understand this, not everybody, but getting your way and being heard are two different things. Yep. You don't have to Absolutely. get your way in order to be heard. So Absolutely. talk a little bit about that. Um, just the concept of ensuring that everybody has the opportunity to be heard. Yeah, I, th I think that that's true. And just one tangent that I want to add to this is, you know, so often we expect other people to show up in the way we would show up. We expect ourselves out of others. So I think most often when I hear people talk about, you know, feeling bad that they've been confronted or, you know, they've been verbally accosted, whatever the case might be, it, it's because they just would never do that. You know, under any circumstances, they wouldn't do that. And that, and that, that's great. You know, that's good. I, I'm glad that you can come at things, you know, uh, in a way that's just more, more even keeled. But you, we, we set ourselves and other people up for confrontation and friction when we expect ourselves out of them. Um, and, and if you're not somebody who needs to be heard, you know, some people are, they don't, they don't operate that way. They don't, they don't need that validation. They don't need to, to puke it out all over somebody, but some people do. And, and we've got to understand that not everybody is going to process pain or fear or frustration the same way that we do. And when someone comes in, like, you know, you described as coming in, just guns a blazing and upset, you can bet you're dealing with someone 
who needs to release this. It's the pot bottle that's been shaken up and all of that carbonation is at the top. And volcanic people at some point are going to erupt. A couple of things I like to think about. Number one, erupt on me and not your child. If, if I can be the one, if I can be the one who takes that 10 minutes then, and your six-year-old doesn't have to, give it to me because it isn't personal. But you know what? To your six-year-old, it's going to feel like it, right? And the second thing I was going to say, and I just lost it, so I'm going to, I'm, I will come back to it, I'm sure. But, oh, the other thing I want to say is, thank goodness parents get upset once in a while about what happens in the classroom because my AD gets way more parent communication than I get about math class or the English paper. Oh, yeah. And I like to say to my teachers, you know what? Thank goodness mom or dad is paying attention and has a stake in and an interest in what's happening academically. Because you know what? There's a lot of just crickets out there when it comes to what schools are supposed to be doing. And when a parent gets upset and says, well, I see that he got a zero on this because it didn't get turned in on time. Okay, maybe that's not fair. And, and maybe, the, you know, the whole story you know about why the kid didn't get it turned in and it's not your fault and it's the kids and all that. But here we got a parent who, who wants to know why the child isn't doing well in the class. Can't aim, yay! Like, can we be excited that parents are excited about that, that, they, that they're motivated to reach out and, and, and to understand that sometimes if the, if the if release valve is gonna be on us, then that's a blessing to the kids that we serve. That's a really wonderful way to, to look at that. Um, because I think in addition to what you said about how we expect ourselves in others, I think a lot of times too, you know, we, whether it's as a teacher or, or as a principal, AD, whatever, whatever your role might be, often we expect a parent to come in, in a certain way. And it's like, we're yeah. gearing up for it. Right. You yeah. know, we've all had those folks, you know, my, my community Facebook bully, um, we'll call him Ralph yeah. because that's his name. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I can say yeah. that stuff now. Um, yes. But, you know, he was the guy that when when I knew he was coming in, you know, I had an expectation of how he was going to come in, you know. Now, yeah. because of, you know, because he was that, that bully, of course, when he came in, he was timid and, you know, was not really the guy he was online. But exactly. I do think, I do think that quite often, in fact, I know I'm guilty of it, that there are those certain parents, maybe the reputation precedes them, or you've had a previous experience with them, or maybe just our default mode is to expect parents to come in and be, con you know, confrontational. Yep. Um, yep. But, and and that's confirmation yeah. bias, Darren. That's seeing what we expect to see. Um, you know, we've got this weird phenomenon on this bus. We got, we bought a bus and it's got a little bit of a weird odor to it. So we went through and we had the, this dealership clean it out, whatever, whatever. But you know, as kids get on the, and I've never, the first time I got on the bus was pre or post deodorizing. I don't smell a thing. Anybody who's ridden that bus smells it because they're looking for it and their mind right. is telling them it's there. We do this with people. We have convinced ourselves, yes, and I love, we get ourselves worked up. We know it's going to be a knockdown, drag out. And so then we show up with an energy that puts somebody else on the defensive, and pretty soon we're the catalyst for the conflict. 
when we look for the good, we see the good. When we, when we are searching for the stink, we find the stink. Like that's just how people are. Confirmation bias, it's well documented. This is why when I'm in a classroom, I, I, I verbalize, you know, I notice, I notice Darren's ready to go. I notice Lisa's ready to go. I'm not looking for who isn't ready for two reasons. Number one, I, it makes me feel better to notice and to pay attention to who is. I'm, I'm seeing then the people who are with me. And by saying, I notice Darren's ready, I notice Lisa's ready, I'm giving Mike over there in the corner a little bit of a nudge, like, hey, you need to get ready too, without going, I notice Mike's not ready, I notice Alicia's not ready. We look, we see what we look for. If we look for the good, we'll find it. If we expect the bad, that's what's going to show up. Oh, that's just so good. It's just so good. Because what, what it's all about is about our mindset. Um, I mean, that, that takes me back. People, people who listen to the podcast regularly know the story, but it takes me back to when I was an assistant principal and man, our culture was so toxic and it was, we were just looking for the things that were wrong. And you know, that's, that's what it was all about. And You're I had it. to retrain my mind. Yeah, I totally did. I had to start looking for the good things, looking for the things that people were doing right because there were so many things that they were doing right, but we weren't looking Absolutely. for it. So we weren't. We weren't like calling attention to that, you know, and in right. order to repair and change that culture, which we did, but it took time. It yeah. just for me, it took reframing what I was looking for. Um, when, you know, when, when I speak, I talk about this all the time, like, you know, count the number of red cars that you see the next time you're out driving around, you know, Absolutely. you're going to see a ton of red cars because you're looking for them, you know, Absolutely. and not because there's a lot of red cars. I mean, there are a lot of red cars, but, but. Actually, not the it's most a, manufactured color. White, by the way, the most uh, most manufactured. And I got color. I got to put a little. You're very funny, and I got to put a little of my own humor in here. My husband, he's one of these men. Like, there's the the biggest bottle in the refrigerator door is the ketchup, and he cannot find it, it, it no matter. But if if he looks across the pasture, and I'm in South Dakota, and there's a shelter belt a mile down, and there's like an old pickup or car, he can spot it. He can spot it from the interstate, but he can't find the ketchup. But he's looking everywhere for a classic car. He's looking everywhere for an old pickup. Yeah. And so, and I, I could, there could be one right next to me and I wouldn't notice it. And so, yes, we need to celebrate the things that are good. And that doesn't mean you ignore the garbage can that's on fire or the kid that just got stabbed with a pencil. You can't just stick your head in the sand and pretend that, you know, it, it isn't a disaster when it is. But when you, when you take time and you, you, condition your mindset to see the good. You and I are both positive people. We just are. I can tell that in the time we spent oh, yeah. together. But think about anybody listening. Think about the negative people in your life. You can go to the best restaurant and they're going to find something to complain about. You know, the parking is terrible or you got to wait too long or the salad's too small. And it's just a way of thinking and being. And when you're going to look, you can go to the best restaurant and you could find a million things that are bad. But if you decide to look for the good, it, it, it makes your experience and the people with whom you share a space, it makes it so much more pleasant. And this is just really pithy, and I like to be pithy, but I say to people who are having trouble with students sometimes, and we've tried everything, and this is snarky and pithy, but have you tried being nice? Like, that's a strategy, friends. Have yeah. you tried being nice? Because we all know people who haven't tried nice. And it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what it can do when you show up as nice. 
That's just, oh man, that's so powerful. And it's just so, so true. And, you know, it, I think this is, this is just like, this is the bottom line. When you really get down to it, some of the most important, some of the most powerful strategies are the most simple. Just, just cut to the basics. Just be nice, right? I mm -hmm. mean, just think about that, you know? Um, again, you know, back to us flipping the culture of our school, I don't have any control over what anybody else does. I mean, I flat don't. And man, did I struggle. I don't know about you as a school leader. Um, the, the pandemic was a, like a right cross, uh, an, uh, uh, an uppercut, yep. you know, a yep. head, but all at the same time of, yep. hey, dude, you don't have anywhere near as much control as you think you do. No. So no. the truth is, I could only decide how I was going to show up. I had to start showing up a little bit differently and say, you know what? Hey, maybe I will look for some pauses. I'll try to find those things. I'll try to reinforce it when I see it. I'll even call it out, you know, hey, man, I really appreciate you picking up that trash that wasn't yours. That was exactly. just really, really kind of you. Or, you know what? Yep. Hey, thanks for holding the door for so-and-so or, or yep. whatever the case may be, right? And, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, just simple strategies like that. Yeah. Um, people don't want to be around people who are negative. I mean, they, 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 they like are drawn to negative people when they're in a negative headspace. Yes. But if you really think about those people, those aren't people you would say are your friends. They're just people no, that no, you commiserate not. with, right? Exactly. That's who you go to happy hour with and, yeah. you know, pay pay for overpriced drinks and, you know, pay mm -hmm. $25 an hour for somebody to babysit for, for you to go and complain, right? But exactly. when you go to that really good restaurant, you want those positive people around you, right? You I mean, you that's, do. that's what Absolutely. it's all about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very true. Yeah. So, okay. So let's, let's shift just a little bit. Cause I mean, we could chase that forever, but, um, oh I want to get, I want to get to a concept that you talked about and you've kind of alluded to it a little bit, but I want to go a little bit deeper into it. Um, and that's showing up curious yeah. instead of angry or confrontational or whatever. When, when you show up in a conversation, you want to show up curious. So talk a little bit about that. Well, I, it, you know, humans, um, we don't like not to know. We, we want to know why, we want to know when, we want to know how. We're not very good at blanks. And so what I've found in myself and in others is that when we don't know the whole of a story, we fill in the blanks. We tell ourselves stories that aren't true all of the time, all of the time. Um, you know, somebody shows up in a certain way and we draw a certain conclusion about the why. And that might be true. It might be false. It doesn't matter. We're satisfied because now we know. And there's a couple anecdotes to that. You know, the, the first is to be curious and to ask questions. And instead of arriving at conclusions, coming to people and not saying, hey, what's going on with you? Because I mean, I guess that's, unless that's the nature of your relationship, there are certainly people we can go and we can just say that too. But um, I, I think like peeling away the onion just a little bit and a little bit. So we've got the, we've got the grandmother who's so angry. And so my questions would start with, you know, well, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, what is this really about? Because sounds like we've got a really big emotion around maybe something that doesn't require it. Darren, you said it very well. I don't know what she knows. She does not know what I know, but I want to start to peel away at that onion and say, um, you know, what, hmm, 
what is the, three questions, three questions. What would you like us to accomplish together today? What can we, uh, let me back up one. What could we agree upon today in terms of the roots of this situation? Because we're not going to, you know, have common ground on everything that happened. But are there some commonalities that we can agree upon? That's the first question I'm going to have. Upon what can we agree? Once you start to establish commonality and like-mindedness, now all of a sudden you don't feel like enemies anymore, but you feel like people who are on the same page. So what can we agree on? What is it that's going to bring resolution for you? It doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to provide that, but what do you feel like a satisfactory conclusion to this is? And then are there any adjacent issues that we're not talking about right now that that are you know pertinent to this conversation so that we can kind of put all of this to rest now? I want to know those things. What can we agree upon? What is going to be satisfactory to you? And what is adjacent that we are not discussing? You know, the other thing is, if we're not going to be curious, or if we're not in a position to ask questions, then if we're going to tell ourselves a story that's not true, can we maybe default to a story, a story that doesn't put that person in the worst light possible? or doesn't make us just this victim of circumstances. If you're gonna tell yourself a story that's not true, maybe give yourself the benefit of the doubt. Maybe give the other individual the benefit of the doubt. You just, you're maybe as likely to be right with a story that makes both of you seem like reasonable human beings as a story that just totally paints you both as villainous or inept. It's so strange to me how we fill in what we don't know with negativity. No, 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 no. Perhaps she's angry because, perhaps I haven't, this is me. I'm a really quick responder on email. So if I email you, Darren, and I don't hear back from you in five minutes, I start catastrophizing. Oh, he's cutting me out of his life. He doesn't want anything to do with me anymore. I must have really messed up the last time we talked. Why don't I just tell myself, you know, I bet he's really busy today. Maybe he's got some podcasts to edit and to, and to, to record. Maybe he's out on a nature walk. Maybe he took some time away from the office. I'm going to catastrophize it rather than actually think, hey, maybe he's got some good things going on. So when you're not sure, either ask or fill in the blanks with something that's a little bit less uh, catastrophic than this person is going to show up at the board meeting and ask for my head. This person is going to, you know, never want to communicate with me again because I made a total fool of myself. Um, curiosity, uh, it, it, can be, it can be your downfall. It can definitely be your downfall if you if if you don't satisfy it, uh, and if you catastrophize it instead. It's just so important to to mm -hmm. think that way, and mm -hmm. and you're absolutely right. I think so often I know I'm guilty of this when you know you don't hear back from somebody or you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, somebody, somebody emails you, you know, Hey, I need to meet with you tomorrow. And that's all. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh my gosh, what's this all about? And, uh, exactly. um, right. You know, and, and we do, we go to like this dark place, this really mm -hmm. dark place, the back mm -hmm. of our mind. Right. Yes. You know, I mean, we're all guilty of it. We all, so, yes. you know, so yeah, I think, I think doing everything you can to, um, to try to put a positive spin on things or to just simply be curious. I, I love, I love that way of, of thinking. Um, now you said something when we talked the last time, and I, I really want to get to this too, because I think it's so big. It's so important. Um, there are a lot of different ways to lead. There are a lot of different philosophies, a lot of different 
methodologies by which, you know, you would say, you know, somebody has a specific leadership style. You are a self-proclaimed mm-hmm. people pleaser. And, um, you know, I actually said something early uh, here in the podcast when I was talking about that, Grandma. Um, by the way, just a real quick quick chase of, of that story, and then we'll put the Grandma story to bed. Um, we hired her a few months later in our district. You know, she came back. She apologized. We had a great conversation. We ended up hiring her. She's a wonderful lady. She really is. Um, anyway, you said something um, when, when we talked last about being this, like, I don't know if you use this word or if it's mine, but like you're a serial people pleaser. And, yeah, I think you know, I had mentioned, yeah, I, I had mentioned, you know, like in her case, it was just somebody who just wanted to be nice to her and just tell her what she wanted to hear. Yeah. Um, you know, you had said there's some real pros and cons to being a people pleaser. So talk to me a little bit about, about people pleasing. You know, I think it's much maligned. Um, the, the disease to please is a, you know, is a book out there on this personality type that, that I kind of have. Um, and, and I do think it's one that you've got to be careful with. You've got to mitigate its risks, but I definitely can leverage the, the benefits of it. Um, other people's experiences are very, very important to me. Um, your experience as we're taping this is very, very important to me. I want you to be happy with me. I want you to uh, think that there's value in this conversation that we're having. I really want the listeners to enjoy this and to at least get one thing from it that's going to be memorable. If that doesn't happen, it doesn't matter that I had a great time and I'm having a great time. But if Darren also doesn't have a good time and if listeners, if you're thinking, oh, geez, I'm going to skip this episode and go to the next, then I then just because it was good for me, that is not enough. I am really invested in other people's experiences. And and I really don't know how to be a, a effective educator and an effective leader without a degree of of that people pleasing, of, of being uber invested in others' experiences. And if you're going to work with people's children, and I'm going to go back to my dad who worked with people's grandparents, if their experiences aren't really important to you, as important to you as your own, then I'm not sure that a human touch career is the best for you. Um, there, there is a need in, 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 in innate, uh, Ability, I think, for, for people who do well in education, healthcare, customer service, to just see what other people need and to find ways to respond to that. Now, having said that, when you go to the nth degree with people pleasing, you can definitely find yourself burned out. You can find yourself feeling bitter, frustrated, taken advantage of. But I view people pleasing as my superpower. I am able to in the way that I think in my mind and the way I have conversations with people, and I hope that's been apparent to the things that we've talked about, I am always looking for a way that, that we both can win. It doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. It doesn't have to be no winners. It doesn't have to be I win and you lose. If Darren and I are having a conversation and, and, and there's a point of conflict, a point of controversy, I want to find a way that we can both walk away feeling good about it. And people pleasers, do not forget, you are people too. And I think that that's a really important part for people pleasers to understand, is that as we really do want other people to succeed and to feel good about the work that we do and the input that we've had, we are also people. And we have to make sure that we are pleased with our performance. 
We are pleased with the work that we've done. We are pleased with what we've said yes to and no to. And at the point that you're no longer pleased with the way you're living your life, you're not a people pleaser anymore. You know, you, because you're not taking care of yourself. There, there is such a thing, I believe, and I, and I am an example, so I know it's true, of a healthy people pleaser. I feel good about myself, and, and, but I feel especially good about myself when I've got other people who I'm serving feeling good about what they're getting from me. And that kind of leadership, that kind of um, the way of showing up in the world in all of my relationships works very, very well for me. And I, I don't think that it has to be mutually exclusive, that somebody wins and somebody loses or there's no winners. Um, I look for win-wins all the time, all the time. And I'm not happy unless it's a win-win. Oh, that's outstanding. I just love that so much. Um, so Lisa, we've reached that point in the show where uh, we're going to get to that last question. The question I ask everybody here on on the podcast, uh, man, we could just keep going and going and going with this. This, oh, is, this, just, too man, fast. this is so good. Oh, this is so good. But um, again, this is the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. So Lisa Perry, what are you doing right now to lean into leadership? You know, I'm, I'm, uh, taking all the things that K-12 and nursing homes have taught me, and, and I'm branching out and, and helping uh, leaders both in education and in other industries um, kind of uh, mediate and resolve their conflict. Uh, speaking and, and being on some podcasts, doing some writing on LinkedIn has opened up a lot of opportunities for me. And one of the coolest things that I've done and now it's started to pick up a little bit, I have been working with schools uh, where a leader will contact me and say, hey, I've got a couple of coworkers who maybe aren't gelling or I'm having difficulty really connecting with one of my teachers. And we jump on a Zoom, we triangulate. I'm, you know, I've got no dog in the fight. I don't know anybody. I just know what I know about people and how it works and, and how to kind of have kumbaya moments. And I'm absolutely loving coming in, listening to other people's stories, where the friction is, what some of the pain points are, and just offering a perspective that is, you know, uh, detached and kind of like an aerial view rather than that ground view. And I'm really excited to be working on that because um, I'm getting to meet a lot of great people and I'm helping people find that they are more alike than they are unalike. And they're maybe just not communicating in the ways that really bring out the best in each of them. And when they start to ask questions, operate from curiosity instead of condemna condemnation and uh, critical, uh, being critical, it opens up so many things. So um, I'm doing that. I'm also writing a lot of scripts for people. People are reaching out to me and saying, I've got to have a difficult conversation. And I'm, right now, I'm creating a lot of outlines for hard conversations for leaders. And that has just been so exciting, working my brain and hopefully helping some people along the way. Extremely powerful stuff. I love that so very much. Uh, we'll make sure that your contact information is down in the show notes so people can reach out to you if they want right. to get any of that wonderful information or just simply want to spend some more time for, with you. Uh, Lisa Perry, thank you for joining me here on Leaning Into Leadership. It was so much fun. I hope we can talk again sometime. I loved it. Man, I don't know about you folks, but I sure had a fun time sitting down and having that conversation with Lisa Perry. And again, it just really reshaped my thinking around whether or not we take things personally and just how we as individuals look at and think about what people are bringing to the table 
with us when they have a conversation. Um, some really valuable pieces there, folks. We all have to have those difficult conversations. We all find ourselves in those tough conversations. So the more we take away from Lisa in this episode, the better. So hope you enjoyed it. Um, I know I certainly did. And now it's time for a pep talk. All right, this week on the pep talk, I want to share a story and I want to share a reminder of the impact that data collection can have on the culture of our school. Now, it could be positive. It could be negative. Don't, don't come in with preconceived notions of where I'm going to go with this. But I got to say this. Early in my leadership career, there was a point where we felt like we wanted to collect data around the number of walkthroughs we were doing in the classroom. What are we seeing? We wanted to really work on being consistent with uh, the feedback that we were providing to our teachers, all of which were very, very good ideas, really important steps to take. But what we didn't think about when we implemented the tool that we chose to use was the impact that it could have on the culture of our school. You see, we went all in on this power walkthrough tool that had a bunch of instructional strategies that you could just check boxes. You know, hey, I saw this strategy in use. I saw this strategy in use. Things about engagement, things about, you know, what students were doing. I mean, it, there was a lot of data that could be collected here. And honestly, again, I mean, there's nothing wrong with collecting data. But unfortunately, what we had done wrong, the mistake that I made leading this project was our folks were not necessarily well trained in what those specific strategies even were. And for that matter, neither were we as the administrative team. So to simply go in and say, oh, I saw this strategy. Ooh, I saw this strategy because it was a checkbox on the form ultimately caused some hurt feelings with a lot of our teachers. They started to feel like, well, I do all of this. You just didn't see it in that few minutes you were in the classroom. And I'm sure, leaders, you've heard that before. That's the risk we take when we decide to lean heavily into just simply collecting walkthrough feedback on some form. We've got to make sure that there's still some context to the feedback we provide. Maybe that's just as simple as instead of using a form, Having a sticky note that you leave for, for every teacher when, when you do your feedback glows and grows or things that were positive, you know, a three, two, one, you know, three things I love, two things I wondered, one thing I might suggest. You know, there's a lot of different ways to provide feedback, but when we try to pigeonhole it all down into some clean, neat, technological form we could potentially run the risk of harming our culture. Now, I'll tell you this. I've been in schools that use forms, and teachers really appreciate the feedback. It's all about how you present it. It's all about how it comes forward and about when it comes forward. You see, feedback doesn't work if people don't trust you. You've got to make sure that you've built that relationship and that you've built the culture that allows for that trust to be in place. Once you've done that, yeah, work collectively. What feedback, what data do we want to collect? Not what data am I being told I have to collect? And how is that ultimately 
going to help us as a collective group improve teaching and learning in our classrooms. That's what walkthroughs are all about. That's where we missed the mark. That's where we made a mistake. We should not have just simply been trying to pigeonhole everybody into a set of boxes. No. No. We needed to be showing up as a coach in the classroom trying to support and help and grow our teachers and celebrate the great things that they're doing, not simply checking boxes. That's my challenge for you. That's my, my wondering. That's my honestly my rambling pep talk this week. Be really mindful of the, the data that you collect. Be really mindful of the impact that data has on our culture, both positively and negatively. And make sure that we are driven by data, not obsessed with data. Thank you so much for listening to me. Thank you so much for coming and joining the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Share this podcast with others that you know, other emerging, aspiring, and veteran leaders. I hope you have a road to awesome week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.